Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. Counter space in your kitchen is precious real estate, and I think the only things that deserve to sit out on your precious countertop space is, is fresh fruit. So keep the fruit out. It's colorful, it's pretty, and it's always kind of a little beckoning reminder. I'm over here. Choose me for a snack instead of Fritos, Doritos, or Oreos or something like that. I'm Robin Sessingham, and this is The Zest, citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Happy New Year, everybody. If your New Year resolutions include more home cooking, we've got some ideas for making that easier. If your resolutions include drinking more homemade limoncello, we've got you covered on that, too. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Winter is citrus season here in Florida, and anybody with a Meyer lemon tree is looking for a way to use them all. I have a neighbor's tree that is overflowing. I have another friend that brings me bagfuls of them. So one thing I've been wanting to try is making my own limoncello. And the zest producer, Delia Cologne, got the scoop on that. For a lesson in making the Italian liqueur, Delia paid a visit to Danielle Rose, who writes the Florida food blog, Swanee Rose. Danielle spoke to Delia at her home on Tampa's Davis Islands. Well, Danielle Rose, Happy New Year. It's great to be back in your kitchen. Happy New Year, Delia. Thanks for having me again. What are we making in 2020? So today I'm going to make Meyer Limoncello with you because my Meyer lemon tree is completely loaded with fruit right now, and this is the best way to use a harvest, absolutely. I have a lemon tree in my backyard. We have a lemon tree and a lime tree. And all we ever do is make salad dressing and lemonade because that's all I can think of. But now we can add limoncello to the mix. And limoncello. Why not? You only live once. First of all, what even is limoncello? I mean, we love throwing that word around and it sounds so exotic and the lemons are beautiful. But like, what is it? Well, honestly, I've read a lot about limoncello and I've talked to some Italians who may not completely agree with what I'm doing here. So this might be controversial, but I think limoncello is either vodka or grain alcohol and you use the zest for the zest podcast. You're speaking my language. Tell me more. Or you can take the outside peel and just do like long strips. You soak them in vodka or the grain alcohol for up to eight weeks. And then afterward, you strain that out and it's a lemony flavored alcohol and you add simple syrup 
And some, this is the controversial part. Some people add some lemon juice. Some people say absolutely do not add lemon juice. So I've done both. I like both, but um, it lasts longer and you can keep it more shelf stable if you don't add the lemon juice. So that's it. It's really easy. It just has to sit on your shelf or back in your cabinet for a long time. You give it a shake every now and then, and you can tell, like, every time you go look at it, the yellow color deepens and deepens and gets prettier. So you have some here that we will be tasting in a few minutes. When did you make it? I have a batch here that I made last year, so I have a jar left. But now it's time to zest all these lemons. So yeah, it, it can last all year. Absolutely. It's just because it's nothing but vodka, which, you know, that lasts a long time with simple syrup. So it's kind of a liqueur that, you know, you would have sit on the shelf. I love that. Like, I don't even know what I'm making for dinner tonight. And you have <laughs> limoncello that's been waiting for me all year. I'm so excited. I need you to be my life coach, starting with how do we make the limoncello? Let's get into it. Okay, so this is the hard part, and I actually have my husband help me with this because it gets old. I need to zest all these lemons, and you can use 10 lemons. If you have 20 lemons, you can use 20. If you have 60, you could use 60. So you just got to go start zesting. So if you want to help me. So this zester is a microplane, and it's very fine. Um, it's sharp. So um, it's funny, my mom actually has this method where she holds it upside down. This is the opposite of what I normally do. I go like this, but she actually goes like this because then you can see all the parts of the lemon that you haven't zested yet. Oh, so she's holding it upside down and you can see how much more work you have. Yeah, exactly. So you can go around and get all the good stuff. And then at the end, it's all like standing on there. And then you just tap, tap, tap on the cutting board at the end. So I've, I've been trying to do it my mother's method lately. So you go around. And you've got a good maybe two dozen lemons in this basket on your kitchen counter. So that's some, that's some elbow grease. Yeah, absolutely. It gets old after a while. But um, the more you do, the better it is, I think. So it's good to keep going. This is when you turn on Netflix, <laughs> call your BFF. Listen to the zest. Listen to the zest. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> and just zest away. Then what? So then you would put all this zest in a mason jar. And I use Tito's vodka. This is the other part that um, the enthusiast, the, what would you call them? What would you call them? Zealots? Um, <laughs> Lemonheads? <laughs> the, the Lemonheads or the, the limoncello connoisseurs or, you know, Italians would say absolutely use grain alcohol. I'm using Tito's vodka. We like it. It's smoother. Um, I'm not a big vodka drinker or, and I definitely don't drink grain alcohol. Um, but I guess they, they like to use the grain alcohol, which is like Everclear, because it's stronger, so it extracts more of the essential oils of the lemon. And I get that, but at the same time, I need a finished product that I want to drink, and that's harsh. You need to add a lot of simple syrup to make that go down easy. So I definitely think um, Tito's vodka, that's, that's the way to go. You're not messing around. This is, how many ounces is this bottle? <laughs> it's, it's from Texas, so this is a Texas-sized bottle. Yes, it is. Oh, this is 1.75 liters. Yeah. That's how we get down in Davis Island. 
<laughs> I won't use the whole thing. It's five cups. That's how many I normally do per batch. And so that goes in a mason jar, um, however many you need to fill. If you have a big mason jar, that's great. So just zest, vodka, put the lid on it, put it back in the cabinet, shake it up every once in a while. And once it's steeped for at least six weeks, I'd say eight, then you're going to strain it. And then I put it in nicer bottles when I, you know, strain it and add the simple syrup just to gift it and put a little label on it and make it cute. That's a great gift. That could be a fun um, shower gift too. Absolutely. There's so many different things you can, everybody loves to get a bottle of limoncello. It's so pretty. It's refreshing and you don't have to drink it straight. You can mix it with a little seltzer or make other things with it. And there are desserts too that you use limoncello in. So I like the idea of kind of a lighter alcoholic beverage for the new year because Christmas time is all about like coquito and eggnog and some of these heavier drinks. Some people swear off alcohol altogether. They have, what do they call it, dry January. But for those of us practicing moderation, this is a nice way to kind of look towards springtime, but still have a little fun. Absolutely. And the other thing I should mention is you can use any kind of citrus in limoncello. So you can make orange cello or, you know, grapefruit or honeybell season is coming up. So all those things would be wonderful in it too. Just the same. Okay. Uh, are we ready to cheers? Let's taste. <laughs> so this is lemon zest, vodka, and simple syrup. Yes. That's it. That's it. Cheers. Cheers, Mmm. That's strong. It is strong. It's sweet too. It is. It's strong and sweet, just like you. Oh, thanks. And can you taste that it's Meyer lemon? Do you notice the difference? I don't know if my palate is that sophisticated. What do I look for in a Meyer lemon? It's slightly more floral to me. This would be a Meyer lemon versus a Eureka lemon is the typical grocery store lemon. What are some of the desserts that this might be an ingredient for? Okay, so have you ever watched the Great British Baking Show? Yas. They use limoncello all the time on there and they do these things called trifles where you soak cake in different liqueurs so I've seen something like that where you layer it up in a dish with fruit and cake and I don't know some kind of fluffy cream and I haven't tried that yet but I would love to that I would love I love a trifle I love them in pretty little individual glasses because it looks so classy you can eat one and it won't look like anyone touched it that's a great thing to serve to company with like some pound cake or angel food cake maybe absolutely and you see all the pretty layers in the dish I, I just think it's a beautiful way to use it so that's definitely on my list this year so these lemons are from your backyard Yes, they are. My father-in-law planted this tree about 20 years ago, and he picked this tree because my husband's middle name is Meyer, and it was also his father's name, and it was kind of in honor of his family. So this tree always reminds us of him. So it's Richard Rose's lemon tree. Richard Rose's lemon tree. I love that story. And isn't it fun living in Florida where you just have these trees in your backyard and you have problems like, what am I going to do with all these lemons? I know. All our neighbors actually come and they know they can pick them. It's fine. We share them. I squeeze them and I have them in the freezer all year too. So I have lemon juice for the year after this season. Love that. Okay. Well, maybe I'll get my act together and make some limoncello. I can give them as gifts for next holiday season. And what kind of lemon tree do you have? 
I have no idea. <laughs> All lemons are good lemons, right? Come over and you tell me. <laughs> All right, well, Danielle Rose, thank you so much, and cheers to you. Cheers to you, Delia. Dalia Cologne speaking with Danielle Rose, who writes about Florida-inspired food and drinks on her blog, Swanee Rose. You can find Danielle's recipe for Meyer Limoncello on our website, thezestpodcast.com. We've also got Danielle's recipe for cinnamon orange pecans, which I actually made over the holidays and gave out some as gifts. They are so good. I had one batch and a little Christmas tin all ready to go, and I just could not part with them. I ate them all myself before they made it out the door. Sorry, neighbor. You can look for that recipe, cinnamon orange pecans, also at thezestpodcast.com. Have you been thinking about cooking more at home, maybe as a way to eat healthier or save some money? Well, our next guest, Wendy Wesley, says that is an important goal for the new year. Wendy is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and the health education manager at the St. Petersburg Free Clinic. Our contributor, Janet Keeler, talks with her about what she calls barriers to cooking and how to get past them. It's 2020, and it's the time we all start looking at New Year's resolutions and what we can do better, and a lot of that revolves around health and eating and dieting. So can you give us some tips about what we can do in 2020 to be maybe a little more successful with those resolutions? I'd like for people in the new year to get back into the kitchen, and I'd like for people to um, make a resolution to cook more. And that doesn't mean elaborate gourmet meals with 25 ingredients. It means just getting back into the kitchen and making simple meals to nourish them and so that they're not wasting a lot of money on restaurant takeout and other kinds of fast food and things that aren't good for their health. Well, so it seems simple enough. How do we do that? One thing I always tell people to do is to build up their staples in their kitchen. So I was thinking about it this morning. I said, I'm going to I'm going to make a meatloaf. What do I need? Right now, um, I have some ground beef that's frozen in my freezer. So to make that meatloaf tonight, I would have to pull out that ground beef and thaw it. And in my kitchen, I have everything that I need to make that meatloaf. That includes salt, pepper, breadcrumbs, eggs, and onions, maybe a little bit of ketchup or some Worcestershire sauce. So I have all those things in my kitchen because I keep staples in my refrigerator and my pantry. And I realize that not everybody does that. I find that when people cook at home... They are less heavy-handed with salt than restaurants are. They're less heavy-handed with saturated fats than restaurants are. So even though meatloaf doesn't sound all that healthy, you are less likely to have a, that big dump of sodium, that big dump of saturated fat. And I think that and research has shown that when we eat at home, our portions are smaller than when they are in restaurants. When we pay a lot of money for restaurant food and a big portion comes, we say, I'm going to get my money's worth. And And we tend to eat all of what a restaurant gives us, which may be leading to um, worsening diabetes, heart disease, weight gain, all kinds of things like that. So I'm always looking for barriers to cooking. What are the barriers to cooking? And I think one of the biggest barriers to cooking is that people just don't have staples in their kitchen to make simple dinners at home. I love that idea of barriers to cooking. There's so many of them. So you started talking about those of us maybe who don't have a really fully stocked pantry. 
I tell my patients and my clients, I give them a list of pantry staples. And every time they go to the store, I ask them to buy one or two. If they try and go out and buy everything on the staples list, it could be a very, very expensive grocery bill. And that could prevent someone from loading up. So every time you go to the store to do some shopping, make a pledge to yourself you're going to buy one or two of these staples. These are very, very simple things like salt and pepper. I've actually been in people's homes and tried to cook and there's no salt, which that that's amazing to me that, that I'm in a kitchen with no, with no salt, um, butters, oils, onions, peppers, garlic. I could go on and on with the list, but every time you go to the store, pledge to buy one or two. So some of those things that you mentioned are fresh things when you talk about onions and peppers and then others are shelf stable that can last a long time. A lot of people will tell you, you shouldn't keep onions in your fridge. I keep onions in my fridge. I keep them in the drawer, in one of the vegetable drawers. I don't have any problems with my onions. They're nice and fresh and crisp, and uh, they're they're not rotting on the the counter. I do tell people to leave fruit out on the counter, however, because when it's right in front of your face, you're more likely to eat it, and snack foods should go away behind a door. Counter space in your kitchen is precious real estate, and I think the only things that deserve to sit out on your precious countertop space is is fresh fruit. So keep the fruit out. It's colorful, it's pretty, and it's always kind of a little beckoning reminder. I'm over here. Choose me for a snack instead of Fritos, Doritos, or Oreos or something like that. I love that idea, too, about putting all the snacks, the salty snacks, mm-hmm. put the processed things to put that away. Because you're right, if you see them there and you're hungry after a long day, it's easy just to go straight there than rather to the orange that is colorful and pretty. Mm-hmm. But you said something interesting about keeping the onions in the fridge. Do you think we have ideas about cooking that really aren't realistic or that are hampering us from you know, getting going? I really do. I think that the Food Network maybe have done a great disservice to Americans because we think if I can't do it like a celebrity chef, if I can't have um, this this meal that has 20 ingredients and is garnished beautifully and looks like it just came out of a res- professional restaurant kitchen, then um, maybe, maybe I'm not doing it right. Uh, television food shows make us feel bad for, and I, I don't want to say inabilities because Americans have great abilities to cook, but we're not professional chefs. And so I think that the Food Network's done a, a disservice to Americans and has scared people away from what I like to call grandma cooking. I want Americans to get back to grandma cooking. Roast some potatoes, make a meatloaf, make a simple soup. I do a class called 30 Minute Soups because I want to show people how it is possible to make a homemade soup that's full of hearty vegetables, um, some protein, if that's your thing, animal protein, some rice or some noodles in 30 minutes. So I have three different soups that I teach. Each are done in 30 minutes. And when I teach it, people are amazed. You, I can't believe we made this in 30 minutes. I didn't think it was possible. So I like to show people that it is possible to whip something up really, really fast, hearty, nutritious. But it may not look like the Food Network. And that's okay. It's okay to not have food come out of your kitchen that doesn't look like it's ready for television. Maybe that's a good resolution, right? Give yourself a little bit of a break in the kitchen this year. You know, when I cook, I have my hair pulled back and an old sweatshirt on. I'm not ready for a food network. I think sometimes that's the television shows make you think, oh, look how gorgeous everyone looks while they're cooking these beautiful things. And they forget there's people there doing all the prep work for them too. What about equipment? Is there some equipment that we could get in the new year that would help, uh, help us get back into the kitchen? 
I always tell people to get this idea that you have to have a two or three hundred dollar knife in your kitchen to be effective. Some of my favorite knives are from restaurant supply stores and they are these white handled knives. I have an electric sharpener, I also have a stone and then I have a, a steel and I teach people to keep their knives sharp with the stone, but if they're not comfortable with that, we go to the electric sharpener. So these knives that I buy, these inexpensive knives are $15 at kitchen supply stores. My electric sharpener is 20 bucks. So, and then you can get a, a nice wooden cutting board for another 20 or 30 bucks. So for an investment of $50, you have everything you need to get in the kitchen and safely prep fruits and vegetables. So the most dangerous thing in your kitchen is a dull knife. And the best thing in your kitchen, the most useful thing in your kitchen is a sharp knife. So keeping knives sharp and understanding that it doesn't have to be a $300 professional chef's grade knife for you to be effective in your kitchen. Sometimes in the morning, I don't know what I'm going to cook that evening, but I'll go into my freezer and I'll, fu- I'll pull out a protein. It is a couple of chicken breasts. It's some ground beef, some ground pork. Maybe it's some fish. I'm going to thaw maybe a couple of shrimp. And I leave the day and I give myself permission to not know what it's going to be for dinner. And throughout the day, I kind of let the world talk to me. I, I smell something. I see something. i going through on the internet in a magazine. And I say, oh, that's what I'm going to do with that chicken. You know, so I think a lot of people put pressure on themselves because they say, I just don't know what to cook. Thaw a protein. Absolutely thaw a protein. And if you are a vegetarian or vegan, that means you're not thawing an animal protein, but you have a pantry full of beans or lentils or whatever whatever protein it is you consume it's on hand so when you get home and you're hungry and you're stressed you're not tempted to go to restaurant uber eats that kind of thing you've got a well-stocked pantry to go in and do what you need to do so that kind of brings us around to the beginning so when you think we could just kind of assess what you've told us so you know get a well-stocked pantry kind of cut yourself a little bit of a break that everything is not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Have a plan, though it doesn't have to be you're sitting down Sunday and you've planned for the entire week. Maybe you're just at least thinking about it in the morning. That seems like a pretty good way to get us started on the new year. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I, I'm constantly looking for barriers to getting people back into the kitchen. And I think these are equipment is a barrier, having um, a well-stocked pantry is a barrier, and then just we're just too hard on ourselves. Restaurant food is, it it tastes great. I I enjoy restaurant food, but I know that if I ate in restaurants every day, I wouldn't have any money in my bank account. I may also have worse health outcomes because of the things I mentioned, bigger portions, higher, higher saturated fats and higher sodium. So I think it behooves all of us to get back into the kitchen. I love to teach cooking classes. I love to show people how easy it is and how satisfying it is to chop an onion. All of my meals start with an onion. Every meal that I make starts with an onion. And so I like to teach people with with a a very sharp knife how to dice an onion and get it going in some oil in a pan. And that's the beginning of a lot of things, a lot of great things. Well, thank you, Wendy, so much. That is the beginning of a lot of good things for the New Year. So I'm looking forward to getting back into the kitchen myself. So thanks for spending the time with us today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. That was the Zest contributor, Janet Keeler, speaking to dietitian Wendy Wesley. Go to thezestpodcast.com for a link to Wendy's list for a well-stocked pantry. Finally, we asked some Florida food enthusiasts what they're excited about in the upcoming year. Here's what they had to say. 
Hi, my name is Helen Freund. I'm the restaurant critic and dining writer at the Tampa Bay Times. This year, I'm really looking forward to seeing an increased focus on natural wines, both at restaurants and at bars. I think that we're going to see uh, a big increase in wine lists sporting smaller producers, organically made wines, or wines made with low or minimal human intervention. And I think it's something that we're going to see really take place at, at bars that are opening up with this as their main focus. So I'm looking forward to the return of the wine bar, but a wine bar that's got a real focus on natural wines and, you know, hopefully a a really good cheese and meat board. In particular, I'm really excited about the opening of Book and Bottle and Cellar Masters, both which are wine bars that are going to have a heavy focus on natural wines and are opening in St. Pete early this year. I'm Kiva Williams of Wesley Chapel, Florida, also known as the Fun Foodie Mama. In 2020, I am really looking forward to the Wesley Chapel food scene. It's finally up and coming. It's really some really cool concepts are heading our way. If you're familiar with the Sparkman Wharf Channel side um, area, they have really cool food container type concepts, and that is headed to Wesley Chapel. So I'm excited to see what all will be popping up in the Grove area of Wesley Chapel. And also, um, if you're familiar with Seminole Heights, the King of the Coop is headed our way as well. So. Some really cool things are happening at Wesley Chapel. It's about time. And also, of course, for the new year, I'm going to be looking forward to eating better, getting on the healthy food train. I have a cookbook I'm looking at. It's called Week Night One Pot Vegan Cooking. It's from Nicole Malik of deliciouslyeveryday.com. So it's 75 effortless recipes with maximum flavor and minimal cleanup. Definitely a mob win. So... Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to in 2020. Hi, this is Gina Birch. I'm a food, wine, and travel writer and the co-host of Grape Minds. It's a wine-centric podcast recorded from the studios of WGCU in Fort Myers. So this year, I'm looking forward to trying more wines from areas that are more off the beaten path, from countries including Croatia and Hungary. We're getting a lot more of these wines imported now, and also from different regions and more well-known winemaking countries. Let's say Tasmania in Australia. You don't think about Tasmania particularly as being a great wine-producing area, but there's some really good Pinot Noirs being made there right now. And in Italy, veering away from Piedmont and Tuscany to Alto Adige. This is a really cool and cool climate region of the country's border with Austria. The area has some really unique grapes. Almost all of the wines have names that are really challenging to pronounce. They just sound kind of exotic and different. And they're all really good. Hi, I'm Carlos Hernandez in Tampa. You might know me from my blog, Carlos Eats. This year, uh, I'm mostly looking forward to the growth uh, in Tampa. Downtown Tampa is getting a number of new restaurants. Uh, It's going to continue to boom as Water Street comes along. Ybor City is adding a lot of new things. Uh, There's new developments in Tampa Heights and Seminole Heights. And really, um, I think what I'm really looking most forward to is all of the new things that are coming, you know, as Tampa continues to develop and grow. How about you? What are you looking forward to? What would you like for us to cover? What stories would you like to hear? 
in 2020, you can let us know on our Facebook page or by writing me at robin at thezestpodcast.com. Dalia and I wish you a very happy, fun, and delicious new year. And make a resolution to leave us a review on iTunes and let your friends know they can find us on their smart speakers. Just say, Alexa, play the Zest podcast. I'm Robin Sessingham. Delia Colon and I produce the Zest with help from Megan Trimble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media.